The word hope is a word most of us, or all of us, probably are familiar with. And it's an extremely important word, extremely important concept. I've heard psychologists, I've heard philosophers say for many years that a person can live without a lot of things. Psychologically and emotionally, a person can live without a lot of things, but a person cannot live without hope. In fact, probably the worst state a person can be in mentally is to, to feel like their situation is hopeless. Well, what we're going to look at the next few weeks is we're going to look at there is hope in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to talk about hope for our relationships, whether that's your marriage or your kids, your parents, your friends, work, what, whatever, whatever it may be. Now, I want to define hope for you from the Bible. Now, so if you're taking notes, this is real, real important. Before you write that, though, I'm going to give you kind of the worldly idea of hope. Worldly, we think of hope as wishful thinking. I hope my parents are smart enough to get me this for Christmas, right? Can I get an amen from the youth section? Amen. Uh, and, and you ladies, you're hoping, you know he's not, unless you plant a lot of hints on him. You hope your husband is smart enough to get you what you have suggested that you get uh, that he gets you. And, and, you know, that's wishful thinking, isn't it? It's like when you, you ever get on the scales and you do like this, oh, please, 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 please. You know, you're hoping that the scales are going to say something way different than they do. Do any of y'all ever do that? Uh, I, I like the girl I knew in Texas had talking scales, and I stepped on them one time, and they screamed, get off of me, you're killing me. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny, Brooke, wasn't it? Uh, I thought it was. But, um, Hope biblically. Here's what hope is biblically. The biblical word hope, this is what it means. It means a confident assurance that you are going to have that expectation filled. Is that not awesome? Hope biblically is not, oh, may Santa please bring this. Hope biblically is that it's a confident expectation that what is promised will happen. That's awesome. That ups the ante of what hope is. So let's dive into this this morning. Let's begin with this. Let's kind of go negative, relationships will go bad. Marriages go bad. Dating relationships go bad. Uh, Parent-child relationships at all stages of that can be upside down at work and your sports team think they can go bad. Matthew 1, in the beginning of the Christmas story, they go horribly wrong. Matthew 1, verse 18 and 19 This is how the birth of Jesus came about. This is the genesis, the beginning of Christ's earthly life is what he's saying. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not believe that she was with child through the Holy Spirit, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace And he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, it's real easy for us when we read a Bible story because we know the end of the story to miss the intensity of what was happening here. They are in what's called the pledge stage of a relationship. Now, Jewish marriage in Jesus' day had three stages. And he was from the Galilean area of Palestine And theirs even had some uniqueness to it. But here's how it unfolded. First was the engagement. 
Now, all you youth in front of me, you, you youth that are 16, girls 16 or older, you'd already be married. If you're 18, you probably, guys, you'd be married. But in children's church, most of them are already engaged. Can you imagine that? How weird that, all those in the choir, those are engaged kids up there. Mom and daddy prearranged that. I've laid in bed at night shuddering, thinking who my parents would have fixed me up with. She would have been smart, but they wouldn't have understood my definition of good looking would be my guess on that. So you were engaged as a child. Then there was the pledge stage. This is the unique stage that Joseph and Mary are in. It was one year, it lasted one year up until the marriage ceremony. Then you had the marriage ceremony. The Bible says they were pledged to be married. What does this mean? Because this is huge. This pledge state is very weird. They are called husband and wife at this time. The only way their relationship could end is by death or divorce. There was no informal, ah, I don't really like them anymore, so I'm going to break up with them. Can I have my ring back or nose ring or whatever they gave back then? Uh, you, you were considered a widow or a widower if it, if it ended. And if you were going to end it, I mean, if, if one of them died, if you're going to end it, you had to get a divorce. So you're considered husband and wife. It could only be ended by death or divorce. Now, here's the weird catch to it, though. There was no sex during this time. She lived at home with her parents. And he lived with his parents, or if he was a younger man, or older young man, he lived out, out by himself or with, with friends. And so then after that stage, when there's no sex, then they get married, and then they, they have a normal marriage relationship. So it's in this pledge stage that Mary comes up pregnant, and Joseph knows it's not his. Now, before you jump ahead to the rest of the story, I want you to get in Joseph's head for just a second. You men, you're, you're engaged, pledged to be married to this woman, and she comes up and she's pregnant, and you know it's not yours. Can you imagine the devastation in his heart? Now, I hope that's never happened to you, nor, and I hope it never will, but every person in here has had a relationship that's upside down. In fact, you're either in some of those this morning or you will be if you live much longer. What about your family? I, I hear this often, and I don't say this like I laugh like it's funny, but I laugh like people don't understand when they say this. They'll say, my family is dysfunctional. Friend, here's something that's going to really comfort you. Every family is dysfunctional. Say Amen. Doesn't that make you feel better? If I say, your family is weird, you can say, your family is weird too, and you would be exactly right. Every one of them. Little Bible trivia. Genesis chapter 3 is really the first place in the whole Bible where people, Adam and Eve, start interacting together. And it doesn't take very long until they're what? They're in bad relationships with each other. Genesis 4, they have kids. One of the sons murders the other son. That's family problems. Genesis 5, there's no family problems because it's Ancestry.com. And then Genesis 6, Genesis 6 is Noah. You know the story of Noah, how everybody was weird against everybody. Yes, your family is dysfunctional. Yes, your ha family has problems, and so does everyone else. Whew. That helps. 
But outside your family, you're going to have problems. You know what a porcupine is? I've seen a porcupine a time or two. I'd like to put one of those in Josh's seat someday. Wouldn't that be neat? I could take him to Patrick to have Patrick pull out the twills, uh, Reed. Uh, Someone said life with people is unavoidable, which it is. But life with people is like living with a porcupine in a snowstorm. You got to cuddle, but you're going to get stuck a lot, right? We're going to have problems with people. So here's the second thing. What do we do? What do we do? Here's, here's the crucial thing. How, how you handle your relationship problems is everything because you are going to have them. How you handle them is crucial. You don't have a choice. How you handle them may mean the difference in divorce, staying together, not being friends anymore, being friends, uh, getting fired, keeping your job, staying on the team, getting kicked off the team. A million, million, million things are tied into this. I want to illustrate how you don't handle relationship problems. There was a lady that was having problems with her neighbor. Their families didn't get along. Their kids didn't get along. There was always problems, and she didn't know what to do. And one day, a terrible thing happens. She looks out, and her German shepherd comes into the house through the doggy door carrying the neighbor's pet rabbit in its mouth. It's bloody, it's dirty, and it's D-O-A. She she spanks the dog, puts the dog out into the carport. She gets the rabbit, and she says, These people will sue us for my dog killing the rabbit. What are we going to do? So she decides not to do the truthful, honest things. She gets the rabbit. She puts it in the sink. She bathes it. She shampoos its fur. She blow dries the dead rabbit. Wouldn't that be weird? You came downstairs and saw your mom with a dead rabbit blow drying it. You making a hat for daddy or what's going on here? She sneaks back over, puts it in the neighbor's rabbit cage, shuts the door, goes to bed. The next morning, she hears a blood-curling scream. Well, she thinks, they found their dead rabbit. I'll go out there and comfort them. So she goes out there, and she says, what's happened? You know, is your rabbit dead? I'm so sorry. And the lady said, our rabbit died two days ago, and we buried it. Some sicko has dug it up, cleaned it off, and put it back in its cage. (laughs) Deceit will get you in trouble. That's not how, but that's how we handle our problems. We manipulate, we try to wash them over, or we act like they're not there. And we stick the dead rabbit back in the cage, don't we? And go, I don't know what happened. Let me give you some ways Joseph handled it that we should. Number one, be whom God wants you to be. There's so much wonderful depth in this passage. It's subtle. It says, Joseph was... A righteous man. I don't know about you, but when I'm having problems with you, I want you to be who you should be. And if you will be who you should be, our problems are solved. Would you agree with that? How many of you have the guts to say, if my my spouse would be who they should be, our marriage would be perfect? Brandon and, and Kenny, I saw Kenny's hand. Kyle shaking his head. There's a few of us. You know what? Here's what God says to us. You be who you should be. You can't bring anybody else into the relationship except who you are. It says Joseph was a righteous man. What does that mean? 
It doesn't mean he was perfect or sinless. It means he was a holy man. It means he was right with God, that he was a person that tried to live out his faith relationship with, with God. This was the huge key. When, when God chose Joseph to be Jesus' stepdad, this is the thing that I think right off the bat that he knew that he wanted. He wanted a righteous person. Listen, the most important thing you bring to a marriage, a dating relationship, to your team, to your church, to whatever, is you being the right kind of person. I know. I'm sympathetic. Your spouse needs to change. Amen. I'm for that. We'll get them in therapy. We'll bring them up here and make them do Bible drills 15 hours a day. But you be the person you need to be. Someone said it's really difficult coping with difficult people, especially if you are the difficult person. Be the right kind of person. Number two, quit just reacting. Fly off the handle. Say something. Do something. Make the best speech you regret, right? I want to read to you a letter, a lady who just reacted. She, she wrote her, her boyfriend. She said, uh, Dear John, I am, uh, I'm so sorry that I was rude and hateful to you. I've been unable to sleep since we broke off our engagement. It shattered me. I can't believe the things I said and the names I called you. Will you ever forgive me and forget, please? Your absence is breaking my heart. I was a fool to leave you. No one can take your place. I love you so much. My phone is by my hand and my head. Please call. I love you, Linda. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery last week. (laughs) That'd be my luck. God is leading me to break up with you. And then she's a billionaire two weeks later. Okay. Joseph finds out this. Again, remember, it's a relationship. It's hard for us to understand. But it's really, it's it's a marriage. He finds out she's pregnant and he knows it's not his. So many of us, we would say ugly things. We would do ugly things. Joseph didn't slap her. He didn't cuss her. He didn't talk ugly about her. What, what it says, it, it says he was a righteous man, and it says in verse 19, he says he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The word mind there, it, it, it doesn't mean just your brain. It means thinking, an active use of his brain. Verse 20, it says after he had considered this, that means to ponder something. It means to think on something. Joseph just did not react when he heard what was going on. You know, your mama told you to count to 10 when you were mad, and some of us need to count to 100. You know, what I have found out a lot of times in my life, if possible, it's not always possible, but if you can say, can we talk tomorrow? Can we, can we deal with this, you know, in eight hours or later, that I, at least me personally, I will handle it a lot better, and I'm probably not alone. You aren't going to help your relational problems by being a hothead and flying off the handle. Quit just reacting. Here's the third thing. Choose to respond in gentleness and love. So you go, I'm not, I'm not going to be a hothead. I'm going to be the right kind of person. And I'm going to choose to respond with gentleness and love. Now, this was a crucial, crucial thing in this story 
Again in verse 19, a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Where, where, where Joseph was in this day and age, it was almost, he almost had to divorce her. The New Testament says that, that adultery is a justifiable reason for divorce today. Uh, the Old Testament said it, but it was almost in this day that if, if there was adultery that you, you would divorce your, your spouse. It was almost a given. There was two ways he could go about it. One way was a public way. He could get, he could get three rabbis and he could, uh, he could literally just humiliate her. It, when it says he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, it was literally he didn't want to make a trophy out of her. Have you, have you ever felt someone made a trophy out of you? By the way, they humiliated you. They, they wanted to display what an idiot they thought you were on the mantle. Joseph could have done that. And, and in fact, in Deuteronomy 22, this is the Old Testament law that was still in effect. Now, whether they would have done this or not or were doing it frequently, probably not. But it was a possibility she could have been killed. If a man happens to meet in a town a virgin pledged to be married, get that the pledged, and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of the town and kill them, stone them to death. The girl, because she was in town and didn't scream for help, in other words, she appears to be a willing accomplice, uh, and that, this guy, because he violated another man's wife, so the pledged person is the wife, you must purge the evil among you. Joseph could have publicly disgraced her, or, or he could get two witnesses together and he could do it privately. What a great guy Joseph was. Because Joseph said, you know what? This, now, at this point, this is all the information he has. She's pregnant. It's not mine. My heart's broke. I've been done terribly wrong. But I am the right kind of person. I'm going to end this, but I'm going to end it with gentleness and love. Folks, I want to I encourage you. You may have to divorce, God forbid. You certainly may have to break up with someone in your life. You, you, may have to, uh, you may have to move on from a relationship. You may have to move on from a place you work. But how you do it is so huge. That's what separates Christians from non-Christians. That's what separates religious church people from really sweet followers of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Folks, that is so true. If you know someone who is a hothead, and you, and you can actually play this out on someone. Next time you get in an argument with them, just come back at them hard and watch them. Then wait a week. The next time you get in an argument with them again, just answer them real nice and real calm. It's amazing how people will respond in life. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. Even the hard stuff, even the tough stuff, do everything in love. So how do, how do you handle your people problems? Well, you're going to have them, but you, you, you do it with gentleness and respect. Here's the fourth thing. Pray. You pray. You pray. In verse 20, when it says that he considered these things, it, it does not say that he prayed. But I want to tell you, I, I'm not assuming on the Scripture there to say that he... I, I guarantee he was praying, praying, praying. 
We don't know actually how long it was from the time he found out that she was pregnant uh, until he found out other, the, the whole situation later. But I guarantee you, he was talking to God and God was talking to him. How, how much are you praying about your relationships? Oh, my kids, man, it's bad. How much are you praying about that? My parents, it's bad. How, how, how much are you praying about that? Things at work, how, man, it's tough. Or my extended family, oh, they're coming in for Christmas. When you know, How much are you praying about that? There's an old saying, it's a great saying, prayer changes things. And I believe that because God gets involved and prayer can change things. But here's something I can promise you. Every time this is true, when you really pray, when you are really praying, it changes you. Isn't that neat? See, what some of us need, some of us don't need anybody else to change or even the situation to change. We need to change. And when I spend the time I need to in prayer daily or if I got a big event coming up or a big problem I got to deal with, the more I pray, the more it changes me. What do you do? You pray. The next one, number five, get in your Bible and stay in your Bible. Get in your Bible and stay in your Bible. It says Joseph was a righteous man. It it doesn't say here that that, uh, he spent time on this situation reading his Bible. But a righteous man implied for a Jewish righteous man that he was a guy that knew his Old Testament, that his nose was in it. Folks, how much do you really know your Bible? This is true. This was actual surveys that were done. They asked people some questions. One, they asked them, they said, who was Noah's wife? Here's how one person responded. Noah, Joan of Ark. That's funny. Noah of the Ark, Joan of Ark. They asked, who was Habakkuk? Who was Habakkuk? Now, if you don't know, uh, just hold your tongue. Somebody said it was a village in Vietnam. Uh, someone said it was a back problem. You know, Habakkuk, it's, it's your upper lumbar. It's a problem. Habakkuk is a book in the Old Testament, uh, if you didn't know that. The Bible is, is just full of guidance on relationships. And, and if you will keep your nose in it and you'll read it and study it, it will give you so much light on what you should do. Hey, Here's a great quote. It's not for me, but it's a great quote. When, when, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Oh, God, speak to me. God, tell me what to do. God, show me what to do. Do I believe God speaks through the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. And through other means? Yes. Never against the Bible. But, folks, 66 books in the Bible, God is speaking to us. Folks, the Bible doesn't just contain God's Word. The Bible is God's Word. It's, not, well, it's in there somewhere. No, the Bible is God's Word. Here's the last thing, and this is where you put it all together. You've got to be willing to do whatever God tells you to do. <clears throat> you go, I want, I want this relationship healed. I want things to be better. Are you willing to do whatever God's going to tell you to do? Verse 20 through 23 But after Joseph had pondered what to do, an angel appeared to him in a dream 
And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son. You're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I promise you, Joseph was not expecting to hear this. Hey, Joseph, guess what? The Holy Spirit touched Mary's womb. She didn't cheat on you. She's going to be the mother of God. And guess what? You're going to be the stepdaddy of God here on earth. Isn't that awesome? He was not expecting to hear that. But you know what? He was willing to do whatever God told him to do. You know why God's not speaking to some of us? He knows we're not going to do it. Folks, God doesn't just talk to talk. If God knows you're not going to obey it, you're not going to hear it, God's not going to give you information just so you can follow it away and Are you willing to do what God is going to tell you to do? Now, here's our problem. Here's your problem, my problem. We want to hear something that's sexy and exciting. We want to hear God say, you are all right and they are all wrong. Through the years, some of the people come and say, man, God told me this, God told me that. And oftentimes it's so bizarre. It elevates them, makes them look great. It denigrates other people. It hurts other people. God told me to come and tell you you're dumb and, you know, you're crazy and all this. The Old Testament, if you said God told you something and it didn't happen, you know what the penalty was? You died. That's serious. So let me give you some things God may tell you in your relationships. And by the way, a lot of this is just written in the Bible. God may tell you to repent. God may tell you to stay in that relationship. God may tell you to move on. God may tell you, you need to go and say you're sorry and get it right. God may tell you to love them from a distance. I'm not absolutely not God. I can't tell you specifically what he's telling you, but I can promise you, if you'll listen, God will tell you what you need to do. You just got to be willing to do it. Here's the great news. Here's the great news. When we will do this, there's hope. There's hope. What's hope? Hope is that confident expectation that that, that it's going to come to pass. Hope is that confident assurance it's going to come to pass. Let me give you two things that I can tell you where there's hope. Number one, there's hope for your relationships. There's hope for that they can be healed. Verse 24 and 25, Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. He took Mary home as his wife. He had no union with her. He, had, he didn't have sex with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Man, the awesome story. Mary is a literal virgin. Not a young girl, just a pure young girl. This means she's someone who had never had sex. This is a miracle. This is the, the virgin birth. And this happens. Their relationship is healed. And you know the rest of the story. I believe they had a tough time uh, throughout the years because this was something not easily explained for, for many reasons and many years. But, but, man, the relationship was healed. Every, everything went, it just went beautiful. Jesus is born, the Savior of the world. And, and so here's what I want to tell you. 
that there is hope for your relationships. There absolutely is. There, a lot of relationship problems, not all, but a lot of them are S-I-N. They're sin problems. They're sin problems. Pride, ego, meanness, whatever it may be, they're sin problems. The word Jesus, the name Jesus means God saves. One of the things Jesus came to do was to save us from what? To save us from sin. And, and if Jesus can save from sin, he can heal your relationship. But here's the second thing I want to give you. God's going to take care of you. Because here's the bad news. Relationship healing takes two. Can't do it on your own. Someone else isn't willing to to accept your forgiveness or to offer forgiveness if it's needed. If someone else isn't willing to extend their hand, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. That not all marriages, not all friendships, not all family relationships, not all business relationships can be healed because it takes two. And a lot of times the other party is not willing. You've got to be who you should be, but it takes two. But here's the most beautiful thing this morning I want you to walk away with. There's hope for you because God's going to take care of you if you do the right thing. One of my favorite passages, I try to read this every morning. It's the very last part of Hebrews 13, 5. I'm going to get it started, and I want you to read it with me. God has said... Okay, that was really poor. Let's read it like that that's a good verse. God has said... Wow. See, God said... That person may or may not be with you. But God says, I will always be with you every step of the journey. I want you to do something. This may sound corny, but but I want you to do something with me. I want you to pat yourself on your chest and say with me, God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of you. Let's pray. This morning, if you're here and you're a Christian, you're either in the middle of it or you will be some relational problems. Will you, will you choose hope by choosing to do it God's way? This morning, if you're here and you're not a Christian, more than anything else, you need that relationship with Jesus. He's willing. Are you willing? If you're willing, would you just pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son. And that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And save me this morning. your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment and sing. And when we do, let this be a time that God does something in your life. Maybe you want to come this morning and give your life to Christ. Maybe you prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Are you ready? When we stand, would you come today and cross that line with Jesus?
Maybe you're here today and you're ready to join our church family. We would love for you to. And one way you can do that, not the only way, but one way is when we stand, you can come and join us today. Would you do that? You need a church family. And Christian, maybe where you're standing or maybe down here at the altar, on your knees or praying with a minister, it's time to ask God to forgive you for how you felt or where you're doing wrong. And to make the choice with the help of God, you're going to do everything you can to heal those relationships and to walk in His love and His presence. Let's stand. As God leads you, we'll be waiting on you.